Welcome back to the Axiom Youth Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. This lesson is being taught by Brother Vince Roberts. He's from Calvary Tabernacle in Indianapolis, Indiana. His lesson is entitled Obedience. We hope you enjoy. But yeah, so our second speaker tonight is my good friend, Brother Vince. Some of you met him on the van, but we're thankful that he came to Arkansas to visit. And we want him to talk to us. He's from my home church. We grew up together. We've known each other a long time. And he is an excellent uh, friend to me, one of my best friends. And I'm so thankful for his friendship. So I want him to come and talk to you. So I want you to pay close attention, okay? All right? So you're going to give close attention to Brother Vince? You're going to commit to me to do that? All right, here we go. Let's give him a hand. Thank you. Yes, I've known Jared many years. I knew him back when he was in a motorcycle gang. You guys didn't know about that? <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> I didn't know him that long. That was before I met him. Uh, so <laughs> Just kidding. Brother, Brother Jared was not in a motorcycle gang. Uh, he did tell me that if I needed, I could take an hour and a half. But I said that that's crazy. I'll only probably need an hour 15. So you don't have to worry about me going that long. <laughs> Just kidding. All right. So, jokes aside, uh, I would like to thank Brother Jared for asking me to be here. I am glad to be here. Uh, this is among one of the first times I've ever spoken to people that aren't my age uh, and are older than little kids. Because I, my church, do a kids' church, so it's usually I'm used to explaining a lot of things. So. Uh, Bear with me in my lesson if I over-explain something or you're like, you know, we know this because I'm used to it. Used to explaining to little kids, and they still don't get it. All right, so my text tonight, I'm doing uh, Romans 12, 1 through 2, verse 1 through 2. Wait for it to get up on the screen for you, and I'll, everyone wants to read along. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. All right, so verses 1 and 2. So tonight, uh, before we get started, I do want to do a short prayer. Uh, if everyone would please stand with me. Thank you very much. <laughs> In Jesus' name, we thank you for the opportunity to come together. We thank you for the opportunity to be here and hear the word Jesus. Touch this speaker as he tries his best and touch this audience to give him mercy. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. All right. So, all right. So tonight I'm going to talk about something that uh, this verse talks about. Uh, that it's not always an easy topic to talk about. Uh, it's, it's a really heavy topic, all right? It's called obedience. How many love obedience? Raise your hand. Obedience. That's right. we got two people that love obedience. Who struggle with obedience? Who struggles with obedience? Yep. I'm, I'm in both camps. I do like obedience uh, when I need people to obey what I'm saying, right? <laughs> But I do struggle with obedience. All right, everyone does. Why? We're going to get into why, okay? So this verse says, uh, verse 1, 
I beseech you, therefore, uh, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. That's talking about what? It's talking about a form of obedience. What is, well, I, I'm getting to the little kids where I'm having them answer. It's submission, right? So submission is a form of obedience. And why is submission important is what we're going to get into tonight. And why is obedience important? So uh, what do we, what as Christians that the Bible teaches us we have to obey, what we have to be submitted to? So obviously the easy answer is you have to be submitted to God. What exactly does that mean? The Old Testament gives us ten things, right? Ten laws. We call them, shout it out, the Ten Commandments. There you go. Everyone knows the Ten Commandments. Well, usually everyone knows. We've got state houses that have the Ten Commandments etched in stone out front. That usually causes a lot of trouble. But as Christians, it's easy to accept. You know, I'm a Christian. I believe in Jesus I believe in God, I believe in the Old Testament, the New Testament, I believe in the Bible, therefore the, uh, the Ten Commandments, that makes sense to me, right? Now I'm not going to go through each of them and be detailed, but you pretty much know the Ten Commandments, right? Raise your hand if you know the Ten Commandments. Some of them. Okay. The, the short primer is, uh, no gods before me, no graven images, take, do not take the Lord's name in vain, keep the Sabbath, honor thy father and thy mother, no killing, no adultery, no stealing, no false witness, and no coveting. That's the Ten Commandments. Pretty much covers most of everything. All right, now most people don't have a problem with accepting that each commandment is a uh, problem, so obeying certain commandments is easy. No stealing, no... Uh, no killing is usually pretty eagle or eagle. It's pretty easy because it is illegal. That's where I was going with that. So uh, the law in, of the land has reinforced the Ten Commandments in certain areas, and then some of the Ten Commandments, like the first four, you don't have to do, and that you're right not to do them is protected by the law. So, uh, but God says you do have to do them. So certain things are made easy by the law. Certain things makes it a little easier for you to not obey the Ten Commandments. So that's one thing it's easy to submit to. It's easy to submit to the Ten Commandments. Uh, mostly, I'm going to be talking in context of people who believe in the Bible, believe it's the Word of God, and believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. All right? So faith is important. And there's a lot of places that believe faith is enough, believe that Faith in Jesus Christ to accept that he's your savior, or to believe in him is enough. That's all you need. You know, there's not a whole lot you have to do, you know, a lot of that, a lot of the extra stuff. It's just, it's ancient text. There's not a lot to worry about. But faith, faith is what you really need. You just need to know that Jesus is your Lord and savior. And there you go. It's all sewn up. But the Bible teaches something contrary to that. You do need to believe in Jesus. That's kind of like the entry fee, just believing in Jesus. But after that, it becomes more detailed. You have to obey. You have to submit to the Word of God. All right, so we submit to different things. We submit to the Ten Commandments. What's another thing? We submit to... Submit to what? Prayer, absolutely. We submit to certain behaviors like praying, reading the Bible, things like that. Uh, We submit our particular... If you believe in... Uh, the Acts 2.38 message, which we do, I trust we all do, we submit to that doctrine. We submit to the idea that you need to 
be baptized, repent, and receive the Holy Ghost to be saved. That's not something that we think you can negotiate with. You have to submit to that as a concrete doctrine. All right? Now, Acts 2.38 in itself is a call for obedience. It says, they asked Peter, what should we do? And Peter says, repent and be baptized. He doesn't say, well, just have you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior in your heart? And then that's it. He said, you have to do two things right off the bat. You have to repent and be baptized. And as I'm sure we've gone into detail, at least you've probably heard once in your life, repentance is not just, thank you, Jesus, for saving me. I'm sorry for what I did. And that's it. Repentance means you've stopped. You've turned around. You're going the other way, right? You're not going to do whatever you're asking for forgiveness for. Again, the sin is washed away, but you have to stop the sin from commit, being committed, right? Yeah. That's repentance. Contrition, moving forward with the intention of never again committing the sins of which you are guilty of committing. Hitherto. Then there's baptism, right? Baptism. It's a symbolic act of washing away your sins in a clean slate, but also... The, the important, the really important part, because there's lots of different groups of Christianity that baptize, it's being baptized in Jesus' name, right? That's oneness. We baptize in the name of Jesus because that's what Acts 2.38 says to do. So we submit to that. And once you've submitted, once you've obeyed what Acts 2.38 says, that's when you get filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. It says, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of your sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. So we submit, and then that's when we're on the road to salvation. Faith is important, but so is obedience. Obedience. All right, so we submit to getting a little deeper into it, and I won't stay on it very long, but submission to the oneness theology. Like I said before, we, we teach oneness, we preach oneness, we are submitted to the idea. It's not just an idea, we believe it's the truth. Right? I believe it's the truth. You should believe it's the truth. There's one God. The Bible's clear on that. We're submitted to that, that doctrine. If you compromise on that, you're not submitted. If you want to be truly submitted, you have to be submitted to oneness. And another thing is submitted to a lifestyle of holiness. The Bible is very clear on this as well. You have to be you have to be righteous. You have to live righteous. You have to be holy. You have to love holiness, love righteousness. Uh, holiness is the way we dress, the way we look, the way we appear, where we go, where we don't go, the activities in which we take part and the activities we stay away from, right? That dictates what you do, who you are, where you go. That's holiness. Now, that's where obedience gets hard for most people because Christians who have been in church most of their lives you know, it, it's easy, but you get into stuff like holiness where it's practical, everyday living, decisions you have to make every day in the minutia of, every, of your life. That's where, it gets, that's, where it gets, that's where it gets difficult. Why? Because making a decision every day to do something or not do something usually involves sacrifice. Obedience means sacrifice, and that's why obedience is hard. Now, different... Different activities, different scenarios means sacrificing different things. And uh, I'm not going to name every scenario, uh, but you can probably think pretty easily what that means. Most modern religious people have no issue obeying the Ten Commandments. 
most modern apostolics, most apostolics, have no problem obeying the Acts 2.38 message and oneness message, but living, but doing the holiness is where most people get tripped up. Now, there's an old saying, and uh, uh, Jared's uncle, brother Bobby Kilman, you've probably heard him. He's been here, I know, because I listen to your podcast. Uh, he is, says this a lot, and I know he says it's not his, so I don't know where it actually came from, but he says... He always reminds us that living for God easy is hard, and living for God hard is easy, right? You should keep the, I, that's for some reason always stuck in my mind. It should be stuck in your mind, because it is, it is, it's a principle to live by, and it makes it, it puts things into perspective, yeah. right? So what does that mean? Living for God, living for God easy is hard, uh, and living for God hard is easy, because if you're completely submitted, in, if you're not submitted, you're having to do things to live for God that's going to be tough, right? But if you're completely submitted, if you're doing everything the way God wants you, the way he put forward in his word, in his perfect word, then you are living easy because you're submitted. It's not hard. So what is it really that makes, what is the sacrifice really? It's your will. How many believe they are a strong-willed individual? My hand is raised partially in example and partially because it is the truth. I am a strong-willed individual who has certain foods they will not eat under any circumstances. And, if you, if you, and you've faced people, forces in your life who have tried to make you eat certain things and you've stood still and you're, you're not going to take you down. It's because I'm allergic. Yeah, well... <laughs> Then you, usually you just tell them and they'll stop. But if people are forcing you to eat things you're allergic to, you need to run. Yeah. They are not looking out for your best interest. I am, a, I am a strong-willed individual. I'm sure there are people in here. It's usually personality-based. Um, it will affect most of your friendships and relationships, being strong-willed. You have to find people that can uh, counteract you or know how to deal with you often. But that's the hardest thing to sacrifice because your will... Because essentially, there's always, we're thinking inwardly. We're thinking about ourselves, right? And what we want. That's just basic what we want, what we need. That's survival. So our will is very important to us, whether we even realize it or not. So the hardest part of, submit, of obedience is submitting our will. Because it, it's sacrifice. You're sacrificing what you want often. Uh, let's say you love something and you feel God tugging on your heart to say you've put too much into it it's not good you need to walk away from it well that's sacrifice because you love it you love doing it and there's a lot of things in this world that really don't mean anything that we take part in and we love for entertainment purposes and maybe they're not always bad but maybe we put too much time into them we don't put enough time into reading the word praying uh, maybe we skip church sometimes to uh, watch a TV show, maybe. I don't know. I don't know if, with the internet if people actually have to be on the schedule with TV anymore. But that's an example. So obeying the things that are convenient will always be easy. Yeah. And obeying the things that are inconvenient will always be hard. And it never gets easier. Living for God easy is hard. Living for God hard is easy. So, so sacrifice, uh, what, are the, what are the main things we have to sacrifice 
if we truly live for God, if we live for God based off the Bible, right? Time, time's a big one. Money, tithing, giving, money, you usually have to sacrifice. Relationships are one you always have, you typically have to sacrifice. Me personally, I've had friends that I love, that I grew up with, like Brother Jared, mutual friends that we grew up with together that were just as close to me as Brother Jared was, but Brother Jared has chosen to live a life consistent with the Word of God. And many of our friends have not. They live lives where they don't have to submit their will. They don't want anyone to tell them what to do. How many people, how many people know someone like that? Yeah, no one's going to tell me what to do. Rebellious, that's what it is. Uh, how many people love someone like that? And it's hard to watch them. Yeah. I love lots of people like that. And sometimes, let's think about it in a, it, let's, okay, your school. Sometimes what do you sacrifice? You sacrifice influence sometimes. Well, at least in your mind you think you sacrifice influence. I've been in situations in school where maybe I wasn't as vocal as I needed to be about my beliefs or what was going on because I was afraid it was peer pressure, right? I was afraid of looking weird, maybe, or looking different. And I was afraid that I would be made fun of because of my beliefs. Because living this way means being set apart, being set aside. You will be different. You are different. This world is different than... If you're living this way, then this world will always be different than you. So that's going to be hard. In your mind, you think, well... No one's going to like me. No one's going to be my friend, maybe. Maybe you struggle with that. Some people I know don't care. <laughs> They'll do whatever they want to do. But it's not true. Typically, I have found in my life, the moment you step above something or you decide you're not going to be a part of something, people may dislike you because you make them feel guilty, but often most people will respect you. So what makes sacrificing easier? Easier. I'm going to give you some practical advice here. So, like anything, like uh, from as simple as doing uh, one rep with a, uh, a weight, I don't know, I'm not obviously a bodybuilder, but something that simple, is something as simple as a muscle. The first one you do, it's always going to be easier to do the next one. Now, you may start to get tired, but you're building up strength. So, sacrifice is the same way. You sacrifice some, you have a problem with sacrifice, sacrificing your will, start with something small. Once you sacrifice something for the will of the Lord, it'll become easier to sacrifice something else and then something else. And eventually you can get to those big things that are hard for you to let go of. I've had things in my life that aren't very, they weren't necessarily bad things. Other people did them that were in church, the people that I respected, but I was so wrapped up in it. It was about time and money they could be the most neutral things, but if they're, taking, if they're taking time away from you being a serious Christian, there's no such thing as standing still in, in this life. You can't just stand still because if you're standing still, if you're not moving forward, you're moving backward. It's the way it works. And there have been some things that I've had to get rid of because of that. Another thing, uh, how many have heard of Dave Ramsey? Dave Ramsey. All right, money guy. He has a great, a great point about, about saving or getting rid of debt. And sacrifice is the same way, I think. It's a, you can use the same policy. It's called snowballing. What you do is you take your smallest, your smallest debt, 
You pay it off, and then you work on, and you keep paying off your smaller debts till you get to your big ones. Same thing with sacrifice, right? And basically the first thing. You start one, you maybe start something small, something you know you need to get rid of, some movie you need to get rid of, some song you know you need to quit listening to. Start there, and then move up, and then maybe you can work your way to the big ones. And what else makes sacrifice? And this is the last one, and then I'll move on, I promise. It's fasting. How many love fasting? That's the idea, right? It's not supposed to be pleasant. You're doing something unpleasant because it proves that you love God, right? Fasting is not pleasant. I've uh, never gotten through a fast and thought, well, maybe at the end felt accomplished, but never gotten through and thought, I'm doing that again. <laughs> that was a good time. How many have done that? Maybe you, maybe that's, okay, <laughs> we got one. <laughs> we, we got, <laughs> I'll give you the benefit of a doubt. <laughs> so with all this stuff, with what all this, this means, and I know I'm using words like stuff and I'm being thick, but sacrifice, submission, obedience to the word of God means that obedience, not just faith, obedience means salvation, Right? Because that's the ultimate goal here. We want to be saved. We want to go to heaven with Jesus when we die, right? We want to go in the rapture. We want to be saved. That's why, you know, and, and being, being going to heaven, maybe that shouldn't, that's not, shouldn't be your only goal. You should want to go to heaven. You should want to help other people get to heaven. But ultimately, you have to save yourself. You cannot, you cannot help save someone if you're not saved. Because you, you are anchorless, and you're a boat that's just floating in the water. And someone can't anchor themselves to shore by anchoring to you if you're not anchored to shore, right? The only way you can help people is if you're anchored to the truth. So, obedience means salvation. There's so many people, so many examples of good people. And you wonder, people always ask, you know, so this good person, they've died, or we don't know what they believed. I can't, you know, are they, are, were they saved? Well, we don't, we don't know what's in, what their final days were like. We don't know what their final hours were like. We don't know. But what we know is that the Bible's specific about what's important. The Bible's specific about how you get saved. And the Bible's specific about obedience. So I've mentioned a lot of New Testament Let's talk about some Old Testament examples of obedience, and we'll, we'll uh, go through it. I was going through it, and then I was thinking, as I was hitting all these examples, it really hammered at home just how serious God is about obedience. All right? The first example in the Bible of obedience, other than uh, the sun, the moon, and the stars obeying his will, we get Adam and Eve. He tells them to do one thing, right? One thing. gave them one job. And they disobeyed him. He said, don't eat the fruit of the tree of life. What did they do? Gave him one job. How serious was he about obedience? <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's probably the most significant. <laughs> because they lived in paradise. And I don't live in paradise because of that decision. Right? We don't live in paradise because of that decision. They had disobeyed. 
And he didn't say, ah, well, just don't eat of it again. He said, don't do it once. They disobeyed. He was serious. He cast them out. Another example of God being serious about obedience, how many have heard of Lot's wife and what happened to her? Lot? So Lot was a man, Abraham's nephew. He was in a terrible place called uh, Sodom. God told Abraham he was going to destroy Sodom. He sent angels to get Lot. Long story short, they said, leave, but don't look back at the burning city. Well, Lot's wife, who loved Sodom, they walked out. She looked back, turned into a pillar of salt. Gone. Because she looked back. Why? Because God said, don't look back. And she looked back. And God is serious about obedience. Uh, One more example. This is one that always used to get me as a kid. I just couldn't. It was hard for me to, <laughs> hard for me to get because it seems so extreme. But God is serious about obedience. What is it? It is uh, God gave specific examples for how to build the ark. He gave specific examples for how to transport the ark. Uh, how many know this story? You know where I'm headed with this. They decide, well, you know what? He did give specific examples, but th- th- this thing's heavy, right? So we're going to put it on a cart. It's gonna, we invented the wheel. This is going to be easier. We don't have to carry it. They did, and they carried it for a little bit. Well, it stumbled. The ark started to slip off the cart. One of the men with the ark put his hand out to save it. His intentions were good. His intentions were pure. But he was disobeying before he made his pure intentions. He touched the ark, which should have never been on the cart, and he died. Dead right there. Why? Because God is serious about obedience so like I said faith is very important we need faith faith is faith is what it takes faith is usually what motivates us to obey faith that God is real faith that good things are coming your way maybe but sometimes they don't faith that it's all worth it in the end we have to have faith in God we have to have faith that he's all-powerful a lot of times getting myself to obey something that was so difficult, I just had to think he's all-powerful, he's all-knowing, and he's all-loving, and he's everywhere. And he's got it in control. So faith was important to get me to obey, but I had to obey. We all have to obey. There's no ifs, ands, and buts. There's no, there's no option. It's faith and obedience. We have to submit to God's will. So what, I'll leave you with this. This is my, I'm closing up here. What does obedience look like? Obedience means being a good steward of your money and your time. You know, uh, like I said, there are things in this world you can entertain yourself that are perfectly innocent. But too much time spent on it, too much money spent on it. Let's say you have, you've made $100 in the week, 10% goes to ties usually, but a brand new video game came out, and it's $100. I know they're usually less than that, but let's say for the sake of this one, this one's $100. You need to pay your tithes, but you've only got $100, and you really need that game. And you go ahead and spring for the game. I'll pay 20 next week. Was that obedience? What about your time? You have so much time during the day. Did you pray? Or how much time did you play a game or watch a movie? Obedience means being an empty vessel submitted to the will of God. Being willing to do what he wants, being willing 
do the things he wrote down centuries ago. It's ancient text, and it's just as real now as it's ever been. It's just as true now. It's just as relevant now. Everything you read in the Bible, it's relevant. And you have to obey. Obedience looks like being a servant for God's kingdom. Servant's not everyone's favorite word. Serving is not everyone's favorite word. But serving also has a very high implication. We say uh, a person who serves as president. When did he serve, right? Because it means you're giving of yourself for a greater cause. And that's hard to think of in that context because the president's supposed to be the most powerful person in the country, right? But he's serving the country because he's a servant of the people. Government employees are servants of the people. We are from the highest person in the United Pentecostal Church and every church to the lowest, we're all servants of God, right? Doesn't matter how much power you have. And the last thing obedience looks like is salvation. We have to obey. We have to submit ourselves to the will of God. There's non-negotiable. Thank you very much for your time tonight. I'll turn it back over to Brother Jared. Amen. All right. Well, I want to close in this way. I want you to think with me just for a minute because Brother Vince gave us some very practical applications, and I don't want us to leave until we know what we're going to do to apply what we've heard tonight. So he talked about starting small. So I want everybody to close your eyes right now, and I want you to think of that small thing that God is talking to you to give up. What is your next step? He's made the case that obedience is necessary for your salvation. So I want you right now, we're just going to say a simple, short prayer. And I want the Lord to communicate to you what you're going to give up for him. What is that thing that he's talking to you about that you know shouldn't be in your life? And you have to this point put it off, put it off, put it off, put it off. It's time to give it to the Lord. God, I pray that you would touch this group right now, Lord. I pray that you would begin to put things in each and every one of their hearts. Lord, you know where each individual is at and what each individual is struggling with. And God, you see the destiny and the purpose that you have for every person in this room. And God, our key to getting to where you want us to be is that sacrifice of obedience to your word. And I pray that you would show each and every person in this room the next step that we can take to grow grow in you, the next thing that we can lay on our altar of obedience and say, Lord, we want you to have this part of our life. Touch us. Go with us. Bless every one of these young people. Thank you for the word that was heard tonight. I pray that it would be sealed in our heart forever, that we could live for you in eternity. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.